0: With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stripe Bank NAR, members of FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.
1: I'm 79 years old. I live on a fixed income. I've lived here for 13 years, and since, and I, I'm devastated. My rent has doubled. It's... I, I don't know what I'm
2: going to do. They raised the rent on the seniors 300 bucks, and promised them that they would raise the rent every year. And then they said, if you can't deal with this, you should leave.
0: Um, I really hope that our government is able to hear our cries and our pleas and just help us for once and for all. It's just Going
3: out of control. Paying rent every month is a struggle for millions of Americans. One of them is Davida Gatewood.
2: Yeah, every everybody that I've spoken with is dealing with the same issues, paying double, triple the rent or just saying, you know, David, I can I can't afford the rent, period.
3: She's a renter and organizer for tenants in Lexington, Kentucky.
2: I don't know how I'm going to be able to afford my medication that I need and Take care of my rent. It's it's an either or and it should never have to be that way.
3: Soaring rent prices are just one of the effects the pandemic has had on the U.S. economy, and it's a problem that President Biden is trying to address. Last week, his administration announced new initiatives aimed at protecting renters across the country. Rachel Siegel is a reporter here at the Post and has been covering the Biden administration's new plan to help tenants.
0: Biden on the campaign trail and earlier phases of the Biden administration have made a point around more equitable housing under the umbrella of a more equitable economy. Housing, whether you rent or you own, is one of the main ways that you might interact with or feel the economy in your daily life. But the current rent escalation, these soaring rent costs, have really become sort of a bug of the COVID economy.
3: From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. It's Tuesday, January 31st. I'm your guest host, Kim Bellware. Today, as rent checks are due across the country, I talk with Rachel about President Biden's efforts to address high rent prices and what's been happening to the housing market ever since mortgage rates spiked last year. So, Rachel, last week, the Biden administration announced moves to help tenants. Can you explain exactly what they're doing?
0: The White House is doing a couple of different things to respond to really high rent that has become a feature of the post-COVID or the COVID economy. They announced a blueprint for a renter's bill of rights, which is not binding, but it basically sets out some guidelines for ways renters can stay in affordable and safe housing. The White House is also announcing a kind of call to action. They're calling it a a challenge to get housing providers or landlords, as well as state and local governments, to try and strengthen policies in their own markets. And then they also announced a number of commitments that individual federal agencies are making to make rent more affordable or to look at ways that rent has become uh, out of reach, unsafe, unfair for many people in this country.
3: Rachel, what are some of the actionable results that the Biden administration hopes to see with these plans?
0: Well, it depends who you ask. So there has been some frustration that these plans are not mandated. They don't require things of local governments or of federal agencies or of landlords. In many cases, there are ways to say, here's how you can improve this thing that is under your control. Will you commit to it? Will you join us in this fight? But It remains to be seen whether or not that goes far enough and how tangibly it brings down rent for people who are really burdened by that share of their budget. The White House says that it can't control rent prices directly. It can't do something to lower that payment for a family. So this is what they're doing instead. But for many tenants, community organizers, activists, that answer has not been good enough. So
3: to step back, Can you give us some context for what the state of the current housing market looks like for renters? And why is the administration launching this push now?
0: The White House has been under quite a bit of pressure from a coalition of tenant unions, renters, activists, to treat rent costs as an urgent economic crisis. And the way that we got here is that the COVID economy has really sent many parts of the housing market into a bit of a tailspin. So earlier in the pandemic, when interest rates were very low, that meant that mortgage rates were also very low. You had some people who were reconsidering moving, where they could live, if they could work remotely. And that was really one of the fundamental factors in putting supply of housing and demand for housing out of whack. Now, if you took Econ 101, you might know that when you have supply and demand out of whack like that, home prices explode, which is exactly what they did and that helped bring up rent prices which are still still very very high even though other parts of the housing market have cooled off. So what you have is really high rent, which has become a huge part of high inflation in this country. It's also one of the things that tends to make up the largest share of people's budgets, especially on the lower income spectrum. and people want the White House to respond to it in the way that they responded to, high gas prices, or other parts of high inflation.
3: Is this the first time the White House has made an effort to help renters, or is this building on existing policies that were already in place?
0: It's a great question. And what many housing experts said to me was, the White House is going to get criticism for this, for not going far enough. But it is remarkable that they've taken this step in the first place, that they've taken a serious step that acknowledges the economic burden that high rent takes on millions of tenants in this country. But at the same time, many of the activists that I talk to say that this also isn't a new problem that they're trying to call attention to, that the way in which housing works in America, especially for people who don't own their homes, has been unequal for a very long time.
2: Um, At this point, this applies to everyone. Um, People with families, people who don't have families, who are professional people trying to find an affordable place to live and can't find something that even in a one-bedroom or a studio, that's affordable. So this applies to different races, different socioeconomic statuses. This is all types of people dealing with housing stability.
0: And that even if that is taking on more urgency now, it doesn't mean that this is a problem unique to COVID.
3: Rachel, has the Biden administration had any luck in working with some local governments to help renters?
0: Yeah, so the administration has gotten some commitments like from two state-level agencies in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania that have said they're going to cap annual rent increases for publicly subsidized housing. It's also gotten some commitments from private organizations, private companies, like the National Apartment Association said it would work on programs to help tenants build and improve credit. Realtor.com is piloting a program to pinpoint units and landlords that take federal housing vouchers. They have gotten quite a few commitments from some of the federal agencies that have said they're going to take up some of these calls to action. The Federal Trade Commission and the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau are going to collect information exploring unfair practices in the rental market. That includes the use of things like tenant background checks. The Justice Department is looking into competition issues in the rental market. You've also got the Department of Housing and Urban Development and other agencies that are saying, we will do this. Now I think the question is whether others join them and how the White House follows up on those commitments.
3: So Rachel, I'm curious though what all of this will mean for renters. Rent is due every month. Will someone struggling to pay their rent see some kind of material benefit from these action plans?
0: Well, many of the activists, organizers, including many who spoke to the White House about planning for these proposals directly, they say no. They say that these plans are not going to do anything when rent is due on February 1st or February 15th or March 1st, that there is nothing in here that will meaningfully bring down rent or that a renter will feel tangibly in their life tomorrow.
2: They have pretty much did a step in the right direction. But as far as doing something, I think this is just a tip of the iceberg. It's it's nowhere close to what they really could do to help tenants and to show that they understand.
0: These are things that are on a higher level and depend on others besides the White House to actually carry these plans through.
3: Is there an economic case to be made against pursuing help for renters, or is there pretty much a consensus that some kind of assistance should be going towards renters versus homeowners or landlords?
0: Well, Biden's plan clearly puts an emphasis on tenants, on tenant protections. But if you talk to landlords or industry groups or associations that represent landlords or industry groups that are in the broader housing market, many of them resist that kind of attention. They say that it's an unfair imbalance that skews towards tenants versus people who maybe make a business of collecting rent every month. This was a tension that we really saw escalate in an earlier phase of the pandemic when emergency rental assistance was what we were talking about, when people couldn't make their rent for reasons that had to do with the pandemic and the Biden administration was trying to aid them, often relate to the displeasure of people who just needed to collect rent in order to make ends meet for themselves. There's definitely not a consensus here around how to solve some of these issues. You have people who say that none of them will be solved until there are just literally millions more houses in this country for people to move into. The Biden administration is really putting an emphasis on aid and protection for tenants, but... That's not necessarily where the consensus is on this issue.
3: Well, given the stakes of this, you know, displacement, maybe even homelessness, if this is a problem that the administration considers to be fairly serious, why aren't they taking bolder actions?
0: It's a great question, and one that the White House would say, well, we don't have the power to lower rent. We don't have the power to put a cap on rent costs or regulate rent in this country, but More reporting that I'm hoping to do on this issue has to do with, you know, why or where were the limits of where the administration saw its power? Where were the limits where it felt like to the administration there was a line between what they could do and what an agency could do? Or why Congress has not taken up issues around renter protection, tenant protections, when they would have had multiple opportunities to, including through Build Back Better or the Inflation Reduction Act, these are all questions that I think will help get to the question of what is going to make some meaningful difference and who will be held account to making sure that there is some difference if that's the intended effect.
3: After the break, we talk about mortgage rates and whether it makes sense to buy a house right now. We'll be right back.
1: Go to chimecom slash disclosures for details. So,
3: Rachel, we've been looking at the rental market, but now I want to turn to the flip side, the market for people wanting to buy a home. Can you remind us what the housing market has been like over the past year?
0: Well, depending who's listening, they might not need a reminder. If you've been trying to buy a house, you're considering being a first-time homeowner, maybe you're considering selling your house and looking for somewhere else to go, the housing market has just been a complete whirlwind. As the Federal Reserve started raising interest rates to get control of soaring inflation, that triggered a huge run-up in mortgage costs, which at one point last year surged so high that it really succeeded in zapping the housing market.
3: A little too cool.
0: (laughs) A little too cool, which sounds sort of counterintuitive, but is a way that the Federal Reserve can have this kind of direct cooling effect on the economy. Really high mortgage rates meant that people suddenly backed out of having that much higher of a monthly payment on top of a home that was going to cost way more than it would have just a couple of years ago. We're starting to see that kind of cooling reflected in the rental market, but The housing market is really one of the main areas in the economy where we can say that has really started to slow as the Federal Reserve tries to get control of inflation.
3: So the bottom line is the Fed's efforts to cool down the market have had some effect.
0: They've worked. The flip side to that is that housing, and in particular prices for homes if you have to get a mortgage, is really the most or one of the most tangible ways that the Fed can draw a direct line from the decisions that it makes to other parts of the economy. Other parts of the economy do not react as quickly to higher interest rates, but if you were shopping for a house or trying to do the math on a mortgage payment, you probably felt that pretty directly.
3: So pulling out your crystal ball, does it seem like this is where mortgage rates are going to be staying for a while, or do analysts predict this could be another decline?
0: Mortgage rates tend to track with what the Federal Reserve is doing with its base policy rate. Over the next couple of weeks, months, not totally clear, the Federal Reserve is going to slow down the pace of its interest rate hikes and then eventually it's going to hit pause. It's going to keep borrowing costs at a high level for much of the year and let the work that it's done fully work its way through the economy. That could mean that mortgage rates sort of pause too. They reach a kind of plateau and hold there as opposed to just running up and up and up and up like we saw last year. The flip side of that, though, is that they won't necessarily go down to the very low levels that people may have gotten used to in the years leading up to the pandemic or in the first year or so of the pandemic. I'll often talk to people who maybe are later in life, they're thinking of selling a house that they bought years or decades ago, and they'll say, when I bought this house, sure, the cost of the house was lower, but my mortgage rate was much higher. So there are some people who say that even if mortgage rates stay at a level that's maybe higher than many millennials are used to, that that's ultimately a kind of normal that might be better for the market in the long term.
3: So we're not likely to see those low 25 to 3.5% rates like we did in 2020 and 2021?
0: I think the last couple of years have taught us to say never say never to anything, but it's hard to picture a world where both interest rates would become so low to get mortgage rates back there. And I think there is a sense that as the market finds some sort of post-COVID new normal, that that's not going to be where mortgage rates settle.
3: So, Rachel, interest rates have jumped since the start of the pandemic. How high are they right now?
0: If you are shopping for a house now or calculating what kind of mortgage you can afford now, things will be a little bit more comfortable than they would have been towards the end of October of last year when mortgage rates went above 7% as the Fed was in this desperate sprint to catch up to inflation. Now they've ticked down a bit. They're a little bit closer to 6.1%, 6.2%. And that could mean a couple of different things. It could mean that you are saving a hundred, couple hundred dollars on your mortgage payment. Maybe it means that you could spend that amount each month, but you get more house in exchange for it. Or maybe it means that as some people had pulled back from their housing search, there's just more, there are more houses available. There are more homes for you to be able to go and shop for and find what you're really looking for versus what we saw as part of this mad dash where people were just buying homes that were overpriced that maybe they couldn't afford and trying to scoop up anything they could find.
3: Okay, Rachel. So do you have any advice for listeners? If you're renting right now and you want to buy, what should you do? Keep waiting?
0: Well, I hope that No one thinks that I'm going to be their guru when it comes to finding the house that's right for them. But the advice that I have heard many of our brilliant colleagues here give is to find the right home. There was this dynamic where for people who could afford to, they were so anxious about finding a house and there were so few available that even if the price was over their budget or they had to go into a bidding war or swallow a really high mortgage payment, they went for it. In many ways, they stretched their budget just to be able to get that house. And the advice that I have often heard is that that might not necessarily be what you need to do right now, that there are more homes slowly coming online. There are more houses in the system as the market cools overall. Find what you can. Find the thing that is within your means, within your budget. And then if the right thing comes along, I hope you enjoy it.
3: For people who are trying to sell their home right now, what advice do you have for them?
0: It's interesting. The question that I would think of for people trying to sell their homes is, do you know where you are going next? I'll talk to people who are hesitant to sell their home because if they're trying to buy a new one, maybe that means taking on a much higher mortgage payment than the one they're currently sitting on. Or I'll talk to people who are suddenly surprised to think about downsizing, selling their house, and then they start looking at the rental market in the city they've lived in forever and realizing that, whoa, maybe that's out of their budget. So in terms of advice, I think just know where you're going and if that kind of exchange is something you can afford.
3: So to bring this back to renting, how do high mortgage rates and the housing market influence what we see happening to renters?
0: Well, in a lot of ways, high mortgage rates or a housing market that is really out of whack influences the way the rental market works, too. So on the one hand, you have the Federal Reserve trying to get a hold of soaring home prices. They want mortgage rates to help cool some of that demand. But what happens if you are a person who was looking to get out of your rental and buy a house or you were someone who wanted to sell your house and maybe then move into a rental There are a lot of dynamics that can then crowd the rental market even further, where you have more people who cannot become homeowners, who can't stay in their homes, who are then putting even more demand into a rental market that is already stretched very thin. There are also ways that higher home values can bring rents up with it. If all of a sudden you're living in a city where home values are just exploding, there are some property managers or landlords who will say, well, I could either sell my property and get some really, really good value for it, or I can raise my rent. These are all things that are straining the market for tenants, people who don't own their homes even more, at a time where they might be least able to deal with it.
3: So a lot of people are feeling the squeeze, but renters most of all?
0: A lot of people are feeling the squeeze, and renters most of all in many ways, because they often don't have the kind of protections that buffer them from these kinds of problems in the economy. If you are a homeowner, you're building wealth. That is a major asset. That is something that will compound and help cement your kind of economic financial stability for years or decades. Renters don't have that, or renters will suddenly get an email saying that their rent is going up, and if they can't afford that, there are really few options for where they go from there.
3: Rachel, thank you so much for explaining all of this to us. Thank you for having me. Rachel Siegel is an economics reporter for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Arjun Singh. It was mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Lucy Perkins. Thanks also to Grace White. If you want to show your support for the show, please subscribe to The Washington Post. It's a great way to support the work we do, and you can access more great economics reporting like Rachel's. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash subscribe. I'm Kim Belware. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.